There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Buying a house in the D.C. area right now seems impossible. With interest rates at over 7%, the highest they've been in over 20 years, the cost of getting a loan is really expensive. And more than that, the number of homes on the market is low, meaning that there aren't a ton of options to pick from. And the options that do exist, there's a lot of competition, which drives the prices even higher. But it's still on the minds of so many people here in the D.C. region as Owning a home is a big part of building a family, building equity, and building you know wealth. So how should we think about it, and how should we approach it? For some answers, we turn to John Coleman. You might know him from his social media account, Coffee with Coleman. Do you want to see what you get for $685,000 in Washington, D.C.? Let's check it out. As you heard there, that's one of John's videos touring, you know, a new house on the market. He also puts up a ton of educational content. He comes on the show to give us his take of where this market stands and how buyers or potential buyers or just curious people should think about the real estate market. People are in more of a wait and see approach than we've seen in a long time. But all that information can solve a really big problem for most buyers, which is, you know, not having enough funds. For that, we turn to Ronald Clarkson with the Housing Counseling Services Incorporated. It's a nonprofit that educates people on how to apply for programs that exist in the District of Columbia and the surrounding counties. HPAP, there's a maximum down payment assistance of $202,000 here in D.C. You'd be surprised at how many programs exist and how many people qualify. At the end of the day, owning property is a major decision for so many people, and we're going to look into the ins and outs of that process. John Coleman, welcome to the DMV Download Podcast. Hello. It is awesome <laughs> to be here. Uh, I I got to say, I have just a few podcasts that I actually subscribe to. Cool, cool. And it's mainly you and Michigan football. So you are up there in my echelon of what I enjoy. So We love to hear. We love to hear. And I have to confess, your you know uh, Instagram reels and YouTubes are on my list as well. So real estate, it's on many people's minds and it's a big issue for people. It's probably the biggest investment someone will make. And especially for people in their late 20s, early 30s, maybe even 40s, they're thinking about maybe buying a house for the first time, but there's so much going on right now. We've got high interest rates. We've got kind of a inventory crisis in, in DC. We're gonna get into all of that, but before we get specific, kind of just tell us you know, what the state of play is here in the DC region in the real estate world, in your world. So the true answer and the answer that I have to give people is we sort of know it, but we really don't. Mm. And we're continuing to kind of feel out where things are going over the next little bit. You took some good talking points right off the bat. Like <laughs> we are we are record low inventory. Like yeah. new listings week over week has been down anywhere from like 22 to 28 percent in the region over the last little bit. And then interest rates have pushed affordability to a spot where people simply just can't afford yeah. um, what they want to do. And, you know, the equation that so many people look at when they're getting going and want to know whether I should rent or buy mm. is the financials. Yeah. And right now, those financials actually, in a lot of spots, look better for renting. Yeah. So you have to understand the true value of home ownership mm. in a way that helps 
you see a long-term perspective as opposed to just like a monthly payment because the monthly payment might not look quite as amazing as it once did. Right, right. There's something that I had to conceptually understand too is like when you take out a loan, you're paying to buy money. Yes. And that money is not being invested in the property. That money is just buying you the money that you use to buy the house. Yes. You know, and yes. so renting can be advantageous and with interest rates so high, maybe it's looking like that. And plus, you know, I had to replace a dishwasher at my rental house a couple months ago and that's money. If you're a renter, you don't have to do it. My renters didn't have to do it. Right. They've got landlord. It. Yeah. They, they got me to take care of it for them. So right. there's, there's costs that come along with it too. So you have to be financially and mentally and prepared to take care of all of it. Mm. So, you know, our region is multifaceted. We obviously have DC kind of the center, but we also have some, you know, counties you know, surrounding it, major counties. What are some areas you look to and I think are interesting as far as the housing market goes? It's going to be very interesting to watch some of those areas that are a lot further out over mm. the next little while. And that's not to say it's not areas that I don't think people should be moving to. But during the pandemic, we got to a spot where being in the city wasn't cool, right? Like space, you want who, space. Everyone wanted space. to be in an right. elevator with all these people <laughs> and you don't know like what you're supposed to touch and you're wearing masks and mm. like hazmat suits and whatever. And so a lot of people were willing to move out because they didn't really have to commute and more space was the thing. And now we're starting to see that return to the city. Mm. And I don't know how your drive over to the office was today, but as a person that's avidly driving around the city at all given times, right. like traffic is back. Yeah. And I don't know if it's because people aren't using the metro quite as much as they have been. I guess we could look at some metro stats and say that <laughs> we know that they haven't quite been. Yeah, it's true. But it's starting to go up. Yep. But still, the traffic around the city has been to the point where people that have to be coming back into the city might not want to be that extra distance out because that commute in is going to be difficult. Right. And for a while, it was people leaving the city for more room. I've started to have this year a few people that were in some of the areas of like North Kensington and stuff mm. like that that were like, you know what? I kind of want to be in the city because I need to be closer to work and that just makes life a bit easier. Right. So it's been fascinating to watch as a whole. The in and out trends. So, you know, DC has probably the highest inventory issue of all the places in the area. Maybe you can, maybe you can confirm that or not. So why is inventory so low? Do we know the reason for it? And is there any solution? So it's funny. I would say DC is not that much different okay. than other areas. Um, and it, whether you break down DC or a city in Maryland or a city in Virginia, even those cities are going to have sub pockets mm. of like truly desirable and there's no inventory. And then some areas that have a little bit more, mm. there are spots in DC that there is some inventory to do. And there's more condos that people can pick from than they have been able to pick from in a while. Mm. Um, single family houses. If you're talking about like Chevy chase DC or Chevy chase Bethesda or right. Arlington, yeah, it doesn't feel like there's any inventory. Stuff that comes on that's priced right, that looks about right, it's gone. Mm. It, it goes before it gets to the weekend a lot of times. So yeah. we're really busy on Thursdays and Fridays. <laughs> um, so it's, it's just trying to figure out what that looks like. And one of the complicated things about why inventory is so strained is the number of people that are sitting on low interest rates. Hmm. How many people do you think have below a 5% interest rate percentage-wise? I don't know, like a good, a good amount. The pandemic, the interest rates were really low, so people got in probably. 89%, there's the sheet right there, sorry. 89? Yeah, I should've just told, I sorry, just I should've guessed, because in my head, just for listeners, I was like, hmm, 50, 60, 70, mm -hmm. 89. So we have a lot of people that have super cheap money. Wow. And so 
the day of wanting to just move because it's got a better backyard mm. or I want to be closer to my friends is a little bit different because if you want to, you got to really like your friends to pay that much more money. To pay 7%. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, it's hard to conceptualize until you get what the numbers look like mm. of, of how that feels. And the interesting thing that we're going to need to watch over the next little while, I think people are getting used to higher payments. Mm. And so when interest rates eventually come down in some respect, whether that's six months, a year, two years, five years, or whatever it might be, right? Like, what is that all of a sudden going to do? Mm. And how is that going to drive forward? And is it going to create a lot more inventory because people can start to move? But for the time being, people are kind of stuck. Like people need to move when they get married or have kids or change in work. But they ain't just doing it to do it at this point. Right, so right. It's it's there's just less transaction. Now, I have heard some whispers and theories on social media. Maybe you can give this theory credence or say it's not true that, ooh, like now's the time to buy because when interest rates go low... Prices are going to skyrocket. Is that even a thought we should be thinking about if you're a potential home buyer? Like, what do you do with that sort of take? My opinion on a take like that is it's so flaunted as that's the exact thing that's going to happen that I start to grow a skepticism. Right. Whether that's true or not, we'll, yeah. we'll have to find out. I think that there's, there has to be some truth to it. Just based on the fact of the number of people that I talk to that just don't want to make the move because of... You, you want to buy more of a house with a higher interest rate, your payment's just so high mm. and there's only so high you can go that when the interest rate goes down and that starts to look more attainable, well, more people get in the mix. And what happens when more people get in the mix? This area knows better than anybody. Mm. It pushes up prices. So I think that there's a real likelihood that that could happen. But I wear my captive skepticism <laughs> that like that's the matter of fact what can happen because we just don't know. Yeah. Anything can happen. Right. Um, I, you know, getting ready for our time together today. I <laughs> talked to a couple mortgage people. I talked to some other agents and be like, what is your feel? I don't want it just to be me. I want it a little bit more of a yeah. rounded thought. And the thing I took away was people are in more of a wait and see approach than we've seen in a long time. Mm. And what we're going to see over the next little bit is it's driven mainly by interest rates. And if interest rates go up, it's going to make this fall and winter probably feel like last fall and winter as it was going up. Right. If they go down, I think more people into the market and start to take advantage of just cheaper money if they're able to do that. Mm. If it stays the same, I think we probably have the most balanced market we've seen in a long time in terms of people looking to buy and sell being out there at the same time. Right. Um, I, I think that there's less inventory, but I think that there'll be less people and I think that'll magically clear itself out. But it's through that this month of September where we have that biggest influx coming out of the holiday of inventory coming on the market. Interesting. And I think that we have the highest susceptibility of people starting to think like, oh, this market is changing. There's more inventory. There's not quite as many people out there with the money. It's not moving quite as fast. And then what's going to happen is inventory goes down week after week after week for the rest of the year. And so it's going to be a little bit of like, if you crack a pinata and all the candy falls on the floor, like... I'm going after the starburst. And I'm, if someone comes a little bit later, they might not have the starburst. So they're going to have less to choose from late in the year as right. opposed to now. Right. And that metaphor makes sense in my head. So I hope it helps. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't gra start grabbing soon, you get M&Ms. I'm not yeah. a big M&M fan. <laughs> <laughs> Classic. So, you know, when you look at this dynamic between buyers and sellers, is it an even playing field at this point? Like who has the advantage? Is there a significant leverage, you know, depending mm. on who you are? And how does that interplay? It's market specific. 
So there are some areas where the purchasers are going to have a little bit more like seat at the table to have an inspection. Imagine mm. that, like where you can <laughs> negotiate things. Not two years that. ago, probably. Um, and, and then there's other areas where things are going to disappear fast. I mean, the last couple of people that we've put under contract in, in some different areas, we knew the house was coming up. We went there the morning that it came on. We had an inspector there by the middle of the day and had an offer in that night that was very compelling to try to see if we can beat out the competition. And in both cases, we barely beat out the competition. Other people were there, Whoa. but we had an opportunity to take it down and, and it ended up working out for the client. So you have to be aggressive in some of those markets. So it's a little like you kind of talk both sides out of your mouth and you have to study the individual neighborhoods to understand how you're going to price and what the expectations are going to be. Mm. And this is a funny area, right? Like something sits on the market two weeks and everyone's like, what's wrong with it? What is going on here? And it's like, this house has no floors. Like back in the day, our parents, like it, it was a foregone conclusion that the house would be on the market for three or four months. Yeah. Now zooming out a little bit, you mentioned condos, single family house and renting. Can we walk through those kind of three pathways of, you know, living basically? I think each have their own kind of financial identities. Can we just walk through those if someone's, you know, moving to DC or looking for a switch up. What are the pros and cons for each of those types of living? We have a lot of people that relocate to DC. That's one of the bonuses of DC <laughs> is people are coming and going all the time. Right. It's also one of my like cons. I made a video on YouTube recently about like, what are the things I hate about DC? And there's this sad scene in there. It's like, sometimes it feels like all your friends are leaving you because <laughs> yeah. like they get their foreign service and they go other places totally. and they go back to Michigan or wherever they're going to go for a little while. And so we have this in and out that a lot of other places don't have mm. that's pretty consistent. From there, if you don't know the city and you're first moving to this area, I would probably rent. There are so many intricacies and nuances that I would at least take some time and like Airbnb for a couple of months if you need to, right? to kind of get here and feel it out and go from there. If you've been here before and you have friends here, you have a little bit more leeway. It's more about figuring out what the process is and what you're gonna do. And then it breaks down into whether you wanna get a house or a condo and I think both have their merits. If I had my own choice, I prefer a house. I, I like to know that like I own the land that I sit on. Sure. And, and like it's mine, and I can kind of do what I want and there's not an HOA or an association that gets right. say over stuff. With that said, usually when condos jump in and are the best option is when you can't get a house in the areas that you're looking at. So, mm. you know, DC's expensive and yeah. maybe you want to be close to downtown. Well, the best option might be a condo if location is one of your key factors. So it's understanding what you want out of a place, knowing what your your things that are just non-negotiables and then figuring it out from there. And people love, some people love being in condos. Right. And that's the beautiful thing is you have to figure out what's right for you. Mm. And it's important to take that first step of the process of understanding what you need and what it's looking like to help drive forward the things that's gonna make your experience the best. Because what's good for your friends not gonna be good for you. Right. But right. they will always pressure you to move close to them because that's, that's how they do. <laughs> that's what good friends do. Just yes. kidding. <laughs> a big process of looking for a house or purchasing either a condo or a home is, you know, finding a realtor. You are obviously a realtor. Yes. Tips and tricks for potential buyers and what they should look for in a realtor, you know? Yes. Um, what should you be looking for? You should interview a few people is, is the truth. So I'm going to answer this question like I, you're my friend. Because obviously, if you're right. buying in DC now, we have a relationship <laughs> and like we're good. But if let's say you're in Seattle right now, 
yeah. and you are looking to buy and you're like, John, how do I pick the right person? Mm. I usually ask around to my friend group and see who they liked. I also go online and look at reviews of who has the most reviews. And then I, I would sit down and I have a, I have a document with a list of questions that you should ask a real estate agent, right? Um, a list of questions that you can then ask. So then you can start to understand one, what's their procedure? What's their communication style? Are you vibing with them as, as crunchy and as weird as that sounds <laughs> at some point during the process of buying a home, you're going to feel like you are put into like a foxhole Oof. and like, you're trying to make these hard decisions fast and you want to be like reaching over and like, give me the best advice possible. Right. And it's that moment when you have to know that you have to trust the person most. Mm. And so taking the time on the front end is going to give you the confidence and that's going to make the entire experience better right. when you're going through it. So it's having a methodology to it. It's giving yourself the opportunity. Most people only give you one, a, one agent. It's important to figure out who's right for you. Right. Because you're dealing with probably the biggest investment you know, of your life. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, when you look out to the future, what should people be keeping in mind? We've covered a lot of topics, but if you could just succinctly a little review here. Home ownership is a long-term game. Mm. Well, it's not really a game, but it's, <laughs> it's a long-term play, right? Yeah. And a lot of people get stuck in kind of the finite close timelines of like, I'm going to buy now. If you're looking to sell it in three to four years, I wouldn't buy right now. Like I just wouldn't. There's cost of sale in terms of buying and then selling. Mm. And you want to, it's kind of like driving a car off the lot. Like you lose a little bit of value because of the cost of sale. Um, so you, you put yourself to a little bit more risk if you do a tight turnaround. A person that owns a property long-term, whether they're living in it or turn it into a rental long-term, over time, the real estate market has done one thing and it has gone up. And I think that'll at least hold itself mm. if you're talking about it from a long-term perspective. Five years plus kind of deal. Yeah. Like, uh, if, like somebody that tells me that they're going to live in this house for the rest of their lives, like it's, it's no longer worth really worrying about the nitty gritty. Like, yeah. first of all, you're going to replace everything in the house over the time. <laughs> um, you're going to pay off the entire loan and you're going to sell it for straight cash after 30 years. And that's right. assuming that you don't pay it off earlier than that. Wow. Like it is, it is turns into a forced savings account for people. So when they're in it for a long term and then they retire one day and they want to sell it, they have some money in that property that they can go live where they can go to Canada or, right, or yeah, yeah. Mexico, wherever they want to be. Uh, or it could be something that they pass on to their family or, you know, there's other options. So real estate as a vehicle like that, as a long-term thing is one of the best plays I think a person can make. Mm. Uh, and it's one of the more conservative ones. Well, John, appreciate it for coming on the show. And, you know, there's a lot of barriers to entry to the real estate market, money being one thing, but also information mm -hmm. um, and confidence, you know. Yes. So thank you for sharing this information and, you know, hopefully giving some people enough confidence to learn about it and maybe make some moves on their own. Yeah, it's uh, awesome being here. And it's going to be fun to hear my own voice and something that I already subscribed to. This is amazing. <laughs> Boom. So thank you for reaching out on Instagram. I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, totally. Thanks again. Cheers. We've been hearing from John Coleman, a real estate agent here in DC and a bit of a social media content creator star. He has YouTube. He's got a lot of informational videos out there. So if you're still curious, definitely go check those out. Coming up after the break, we'll talk to Ronald Clarkson. He's a director at the Housing Counseling Services. With Donald, you know, we'll learn more about the programs that exist out there. For some of us, you know, who can't really afford that 20% down payment, there are some programs out there that could help. Stick around.
And we're back. Joining us now is Director of Communications and Outreach at the Housing Counseling Services, Ronald Clarkson. Ronald, thank you so much for making the time. To start, tell us about this nonprofit that you work for and what do you guys do? Well, um, we are a counseling agency, housing counseling, and basically what we try to do is work with people to prepare them to reach their housing goals. Now, that could be uh, whether they're renting, buying, or trying to keep their housing safe and affordable. And we do that in various ways. We have our HUD certified counselors. Uh, They work with folks on an individual basis. We also have a team of trainers who do webinars. We have a full schedule that we do every week, as well as sometimes our trainers go out into the community, talking to community groups and educating them about various aspects of housing. Um, We also have folks uh, that work with tenants in landlord-tenant situations Mm -hmm. uh, and trying to make sure folks understand their rights. And then we have a bunch of folks who process paperwork for various programs, trying to make sure people have the opportunity to take full advantage of, um, of the many housing programs that are available here in D.C. Right. And so let's you know, talk about those. You guys cover a lot of ground. You know, what possibilities exist out there for people who are looking to buy a home but might think they can't afford it? Right. Well, there are lots of opportunities, and it really is based on where you live currently. Um, A lot of the programs require that you live in the jurisdiction um, where the funds are available. Mm. And so here in D.C., you have programs like the Home Purchase Assistance Program, also known as HPAP. Um, Associated with that, you have a program for D.C. government employees, uh, which is the Employer Assisted Housing Program. And both programs provide money for down payment and closing costs in the form of um, interest-free loans. In- interest-free. Oh, should pause yeah, on that. Right. Interest-free. <laughs> interest free. rates at like around seven percent right now. <laughs> Hear that, folks? Zero interest. You know, but these programs, you have to hit certain marks or metrics. Exactly. And uh, just before I leave that, I want to also uh, kind of pique the excitement a little bit more. With HPAP, there's a maximum down payment assistance of $202,000 here in D.C. Yes. (laughs) $200,000. Yes. So Um, if you qualify, mm -hmm. you could get $200,000, zero interest, Mm-hmm. possibly from the city and put that towards a home in the district. That's correct. Now, it's available on a sliding scale. Right. And so household size and income does determine how much you're eligible for. And um, it should be used as gap financing. So a person can be eligible for a lot, but if they don't need it all, they're not going to get it all. Right. Okay. But it is a great program, has helped a lot of home buyers here in the District of Columbia. And we're proud to say that we've been a good part of that, along with a lot of other community-based organizations who also help people apply for this program. Now, what's the catch uh, with with such a program? I mean, $200,000, possibly zero interest? Like, What's the incentive behind it for some of those listeners who are skeptical-minded out there? (laughs) Well, one thing, it is a loan, okay, so it eventually does have to be paid back. Uh, As I said, though, with no interest. So you pay back exactly what you borrow. In terms of the catch, yes, um, it has to be paid back, and it helps you acquire the housing that you want to aspire to, okay? But you still have to be mindful that you're not taking on too much housing, Mm. okay? Because you're still going to have a loan from a lender that you have to pay back, and that one is going to have interest associated with it, okay? this The money from the HPAP program is just the down payment portion. Mm. So you still have to be mindful of that other loan that you're going to be paying back. And because housing can be very attractive and we get very emotional about it, that can sometimes be the the pitfall, if you will, where people wind up uh, potentially in years later winding up in foreclosure. 
And um, we they do bought have, too much of a house. Right, because they took on too much loan. Mm. And uh, while we do have staff who work with foreclosures, we're glad to say the D.C. Department of Insurance, Securities, and Banking helped fund that effort. But, you know, we, we, we'd rather that they not have to work so hard. Right. <laughs> okay. Mm. And so we try to educate people in advance before they take on too much loan. And um, along with some of the other things that are, are beneficial to home ownership and also some of, some of the other precautions that they need to take um, prior to getting into home ownership. So if you're like licking your chops and like, wow, I want to get HPAP, you know, like mm-hmm. uh, what's that process like? Is it just a simple application or does it take some time? Well, there are a few steps you have to go through. You do have to do, go through some required training and we do it in the form of webinars here. Um, and there's a couple of webinars that we require in addition uh, once you are done with the first couple of webinars, then you do go through the application process. And frankly, it does require a lot of documentation, so people need to be prepared for that. Mm. And um, after you get through that and cross that hurdle, then you are going to be required to take another webinar, but that one's going to be a long one. It, It lasts for eight hours. And so it's a little bit of an endurance test, but you do learn a lot of information. Before we move on to possibly other programs, you know, around the region, because there are others that exist. Mm -hmm. HPAP did run out of money, you know, past year, and DC Council is kind of voting on whether to re-up it. What does that mean for the HPAP program? Does it still, you know, exist? Are you confident it's going to happen again, you know, next year? Right. Yeah, I'm confident it will happen again next year. Basically, from um, the information that I've received, the program basically uh, was able to fund a certain number of purchases. Mm. Um, Some of those have not been executed yet, but they're under contract. And so that money has been reserved for those individuals. And that money is for the current budget year. But then we start a new budget year at the end of September. This month. Right. And so there'll be a new budget year starting in October. New monies will become available. And so then buyers who are going through the process now to become approved will eventually be able to receive those funds starting in October and the months thereafter. Mm, I see. So it's every year there's only so much money in the bucket to use for these. Correct. Um, so are there other programs like HPAP? that aren't based in the district? You know, if you live in Montgomery County, Prince George's Fairfax, do they Mm -hmm. exist there? Or is it a pretty DC-centric sort of program? Well, no, lots of jurisdictions have uh, down payment assistance programs. The state of Maryland has programs and money available. They don't tend to reach the same amounts as D.C. does. It Mm. is a rather large amount in the District of Columbia. But you're looking at maybe $25,000 or $20,000 in different jurisdictions. People people should really search directly where they're living right now and um, reach out to some of the counseling agencies that are close to them that know those programs and help people apply for those programs. And those agencies can be found by going to HUD's website. Um, The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development has its own website, and they have a counseling agency search tool on that website. And so people can find a counseling agency that's really close to them and can help them apply for the programs that cover that jurisdiction. Stepping back into that, you know, perspective of the skeptical, you know, viewer or listener, I should say, you know, why are there all these kind of like free programs, no entry fee, and why is the city kind of giving away money for zero interest to help people buy houses? Like, what is the motivation behind that for someone's like, ah, I never trust free money, you know, 
What's behind it? Well, most governments, jurisdictions want to support the housing industry that they have there mm. because it is a driver economically. And so when a city or a county chooses to invest in the local real estate market, they're making also a commitment to their local economy mm. because housing is a major driver of the economy. When people buy a home, that's not the end of it. They start to fill that home with merchandise, with furniture, with appliances. Then all of a sudden, the Home Depots and the Lowe's of the world start to see their um, their cash registers ring. And so the it starts to flow through the local economy and have a big impact. And so that benefits them tax-wise because they're getting sales tax revenue and other taxes, property tax revenue and such. And so it is a real driver of local economies across the country. Mm. That's why you'll find these kind of programs everywhere. Mm. So there is incentive you know, for the local municipality to give away money at zero interest. Well, remember, they're going to get it back. Right. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, right. So it is a loan. Yeah. And so they'll get it back eventually, but they're investing some of that money and the time that money is not earning interest somewhere else. They're investing that money in the local community mm. and it's earning some, if you will, um, tax benefits within the city or the county. Yeah, when I first was reading about it, honestly, I was like, this sounds crazy. $200,000, zero interest. How is the city benefiting? But as you explained, it seems like it'd be a mutual beneficial relationship. Yeah, and there are other programs out there that aren't necessarily um, monetarily involved where a city could make housing available, such as a program um, called inclusionary zoning. Um, it's growing in popularity around the country. D.C. has a program that's been around for a while, and it makes housing available at a lower cost. And the county or the city is not making loans available to purchase for that. I mean, people can use HPAP and other monies to purchase inclusionary zoning housing if they wish. But through that particular program, they're making the housing available at a lower cost. And some of it's available for sale and others are available for rent. And as we close up here, just talking to my friends and the community members as I'm reporting, the idea of buying in D.C. is impossible for a large swath of people or, or feels that way or people talk about it as if it is impossible. But from what I've learned here, it seems like there are some possibilities out there. There, there are some programs that can make it mm -hmm. possible. Yeah, um, there are programs that can make it possible. And I encourage people to, to explore those wherever they may be. But also be mindful that um, there are potential roadblocks out there, and if you are aware of them, then you can try to avoid those. Mm. Things such as housing discrimination or being familiar with neighborhoods and knowing where you'd like to live. Uh, exploring those areas in advance so that you're familiar with what, how the community is at various hours of the day or various days of the week. You know, There may be different traffic patterns or pedestrian traffic on the weekends versus during the week. You know, just educating yourself, preparing yourself, knowing that you have rights with regard to being able to buy a home without the fear of discrimination. You know, we have rights at the federal level as well as at the local level. Um, all of these things can come into play. And so you want to be prepared, know those potential obstacles, taking time to pay attention to educational opportunities like podcasts like this right. um, or browsing the web to learn things about real estate and what's going on in terms of the housing market, um, taking free classes, things of that sort, so that they can be best prepared as, um, as best prepared as possible. Mm. Well, Ronald, I thank you so much for your time that you've given us and all the information you've laid out here. You know, again, I think I mentioned it earlier, but 
housing and real estate can seem like an impossible, you know, goal and task for many of us, but it sounds like, you know, there are ways to, to make it possible. I mean, there are some, you know, potential upsides to it all. We, we do think so as well. And we know that there's some benefits for people if they're willing to invest some of their own time and energy into preparation, they should do very well. Sweat equity, I think is what you called it. Well, yeah, there's sweat equity, but then there's just, um, well, I'll leave it at that. There, yes, yeah, sweat <laughs> equity. <laughs> we'll leave it there. Thanks again for coming on. All right. Thank you. And that'll do it for us today here on the DMV Download Podcast. Thank you so much for listening and sticking around for this episode. You know, this is kind of a different episode. My shows are usually more newsy with newsmakers. But, you know, this topic of housing is just so important for the grand scheme of most people's lives. I thought, you know, it was time to dedicate some real time to investigating this real estate world. This show is brought to you by WTOP News. Listen on 103.5 FM in the D.C. area, 107.7 FM in Virginia, and 103.9 FM in Frederick, Maryland. Online at WTOP.com and, of course, on the WTOP News app. Have a great week, and we'll talk Wednesday.